Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to Off the Bench presented by... You gotta figure out. It's not on? There, there it is. Go. There it is. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, we're also available in podcast form, and I understand that our podcast downloads have gone through the roof over the last few uh, days, especially over the weekend. So thank you. Uh, you can find them anywhere you get your podcast. And, and really, the audio form is perfectly fine. Uh, you can go to Spotify, Apple, Google, whatever, uh, and they'll be there. So here we go. The Bengals, as we know, were the only team in the AFC North to come away with a win this week and thus a three-way tie atop the division. That's about to change. As you know, the Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens get together for the first of two meetings during the regular season. That's this Sunday night, primetime NBC. Cincinnati swept the two games last year, outscoring Baltimore 82 to 38. It should be noted, Lamar Jackson only played in the first game, but he did struggle. Hit less than 50% of his passes. He did run for 88 yards, but it was a Bengals route. Elsewhere in the NFC, AFC North, the 1-4 Steelers will host Buffalo. That's another loss for Pittsburgh. The Brownies will host the LA Chargers. Last night on Monday Night Football, and we said it here on the program three weeks ago, when Trey Lance was named the quarterback at the start of the year instead of Jimmy Garoppolo. There are so many people, and I argue with my son Luke every single day, there are so many people in this day and age that are bogged down in stats. A lot of that has to do with fantasy football, and I get it. But look, at the end of the day, there's only one stat that matters. Are you winning games? And Jimmy Caroppolo, whether you like him or don't like him, think he's elite, think he's not elite, it doesn't matter. All the guy does is win games. And the 49ers have full ownership of the L.A. Rams for whatever reason. Garoppolo last night hit 16-27 for 240, a touchdown, right? They run the ball very well. I think they have the best player in the NFL in Debo Samuel. That catch and run he had last night, that is him each and every week, and especially against the Rams. So the 49ers win 24-9, to and I got to tell you, the L.A. Rams do not look good. Uh, Whitworth retires. They've revamped that offensive line, and – I mean, every time Matthew Stafford caught the ball, he was getting killed. Sacked seven times. We've seen that before here in Cincinnati. Now, the Bengals' week six opponent is Atlanta. Their best player is running back and return man Cordero Patterson. He suffered a knee injury last week, had a minor procedure. He will not play for the next month. That's a huge break for the home team because he's good. Elsewhere, Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa has been ruled out for this Sunday's game. He's in concussion protocol after being knocked out of the game here in Cincinnati last week. We hope he's okay. The Denver Broncos lost to the Raiders. Let me hear it, fellas. The Raiders. The Raiders. The Raiders. Well, you guys are getting a little better, but a lot of work to do. Uh, that loss came with a huge cost. 
Running back Javante Williams is out for the year with a knee injury. Outside linebacker Randy Gregory is out multiple weeks with a right knee injury. In baseball, the Reds got a win last night. Still sitting on 99 losses with tonight and tomorrow to go, and then that's it. But how about Hunter Green? Six innings, two hits, no runs, one walk, eight strikeouts. This kid has a chance to be the real deal. He is fun to watch. That was his last start, obviously, in this his rookie season. The Philadelphia Phillies clinch a playoff berth last night. First time in 11 years. That's the longest drought in the National League. You may remember they fired their manager, Joe Girardi, halfway through the season. And for whatever reason, they got things rolling after that. Aaron Judge, homerless last night in Arlington. The Yankees play a doubleheader today against the Rangers with Judge sitting on 61 home runs. One more, as you know, and he breaks the American League single-season home run record of Roger Maris. And finally, Hall of Fame manager Tony La Russa is stepping down as Chicago White Sox manager because of health concerns, which have kept him out of the dugout for the final five weeks of the regular season. So we hope he's okay. He's decided all the treatment he has to go through is going to carry into spring training next year. So Tony La Russa says, that's it. And we hope he's okay. I've always gotten along with a guy. I know a lot of people don't like him. He was great when you were doing your job. Countless playoff games that I did uh, for Fox, both in division series games, league championship series, and the Cardinals seemingly were there every single year. There was no better manager to walk in his office and ask him about his team, the pitcher they were facing. Were they going to hit and run? Were they going to be attempting stolen bases? He would tell you everything before the game ever started. He was, he was great, and I hope he's okay. Now, coming up on the show today, here in a matter of minutes, and, and let me make sure I have this right. This guy, he, he's not the Zim Hude of Baltimore, but he has an enormous following, and he goes by Engraven's Vids. So we'll have all that information for you. We're going to talk to him about what's going on in Baltimore their thoughts of this huge game, gentlemen. It's only week five, but the tone must be set. Bengals v. Ravens. Your thoughts, if any, Casey? I mean, this is going to be probably one of the most important games of the season. Um, actually, it's not probably. It is one of the most important games of the season. You got to go into Baltimore and you got to win. You just got to, to set the tone, to prove that we're ready to be actual contenders again. Um, I know the first two weeks we pretty much stubbed both of our big toes, but now it's time to get get into it. You know, got to man up. Got to stop Lamar. Got to not just, you know, win, but you got to win soundly. You got to make a statement so then the rest of the season set that you're the team to beat, not the other way around. I sure would like to see a repeat of that first game against Baltimore last year. Yep. They go up there. Jamar Chase has the game of his life or his first game of his life uh, against the Ravens defense, a couple long touchdowns. And, I mean, look, like Casey said, you got to set the tone. Three and twos, a lot different than two and three. He got over the hump of being 0-2, oh keep the ball rolling, go on a streak, and then you can't shave for the next few weeks. 
Well, that's not true because we've already gone on record as saying that. And not uh, on record. Savage this is mood, awful. Savage mode and this this crap growing all over my face is D-U-N done. If the Bengals lose after you shave that, it is your fault. That's my fault. If they can't beat Atlanta without Cordero Patterson, then they got bigger problems than me having a beard. I hey, shaved by the way, I thought great. it was a great, great move yesterday. And, and we were going to touch on this a little bit later on in the program. But the story came out yesterday afternoon that Joe Mixon, the star running back of the Bengals, and I know he's not off to a good start. The run game's not off to a good start. But he called together his offensive line, went to Ted Karras, who's really become the leader of that group, uh, and this is his first year with the team. And he sat everybody down. I guess the, the Bengals' offensive staff was also in the room, if I understand it correctly. Mm -hmm to talk about what's going on with the Bengals' run game and get everyone's input as to why it's not working. And I got to tell you, um, I am really impressed that Mixon would take that upon himself to sit down and hear what everybody else has to say, get their thoughts on why it's not working. I, I thought it was a big league move. Now, whether – I mean, does it make a difference on Sunday? I have no idea. You don't know. I don't know. Nobody knows. But – it's addressing a problem and meeting it head on. And I think there's a lot to be said for that for Mixon. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big step forward for him as a leader to say, all right, we got to come together, whether it's on me or it's on you guys. Let's get on the same page. I'm going to do this on this, this run play. I need you guys to do a better job sealing the outside or get there quicker on the pool, or I'm going to hold the ball a little bit longer, and I'm going to dance in behind the line, wait for that hole to open. And, you know, all this time we've been kind of – we've seen, at least last week, that – I mean, it was just like one guy, and it would just be like a shoestring tackle here and there. And, you know, some of it is on the line, but part of it is also just Mixon's got to do a better job breaking yep. tackles too. So, I mean, good on him for the, you know, trying to get everyone on the same page. But also, I'm looking forward to maybe seeing Joe Mixon not just run right up against his guys, like up, up their backs and maybe try to do a little bit more in the backfield because he's just, you know, there's a reason he's not breaking a bunch of tackles and it's just because he's running right into the pile it feels like every time well i mean but again you got you got to have some opening in there right right at the end of the day you got to have somewhere to run and, and if the only place is running up somebody's tail to try to get a yard i think there have been times where you I, i'd like to see him just stick his nose in there kind of like p ryan does mm -hmm. but mixon's a more explosive back i mean he's a guy that can do a lot of things he's had incredible success here i've said it a thousand times look and I'm a guy that's asked for more than a second chance in my life on multiple fronts. Um, this guy coming out of Oklahoma, we know what happened with the woman. If that was my daughter, um, I'd probably be in jail. But since he has come to Cincinnati, if you're willing to at least give him a second chance when he came here, and I don't know him personally, I've only met him once or twice. I don't know him at all. Uh, but you have to say, in his four or five years here in the league, he has been a quote-unquote model citizen for the Bengals. Now, I agree with you, and Joe is one of the, one of the guys I probably know best inside that locker room. And, and to back to your original 
question about or, or point about bringing the guys together and being a leader. That's his MO, and I'll tell a quick story. I remember after the 2019 season or 2020 season, 2019 season when they won two games, whatever it was, I, I remember multiple games seeing him go around the locker room and try to pick guys up and say, hey, we got this, we'll get there. And so for guys like him, Tyler Boyd, that have been through the low of the low, that's where I'm happy for them when they have success, Sam Hubbard in that same category. But you guys are both right where he's a guy that's going to rally the locker room, pick him up, and make a difference. Now on the field, they're, I, I think they're going to figure out he's just too good. That offensive line is starting to have some rhythm, but they got to have the breakout game. The one, the one thing that really stood out was you see the chemistry when they get in the end zone and they're all fired up and celebrating and they're pushing him in. Now you just need to get that more consistently so it's not two, three yards a carry. No doubt about it. We'll find out if that's going to happen. Uh, a pleasure to be joined that I mentioned earlier. Uh, he goes on uh, YouTube, and you can check him out. I-N-G Ravens, I-N-G Ravens Vids. And he's kind enough to join us. I was watching you last night. It's a pleasure <laughs> to have you here. How's everything? I, I assume you're in Baltimore. Is that right? No, no. I'm originally from Maryland, but I'm down in Miami right now. Are you really? Mm -hmm. So you're, you're a smart guy. You got out of the cold weather, and you went down there to the yeah, Florida sunshine. I, I hate the cold weather with a passion. Don't like I don't it blame at all. All right, tell me. I, I, I want to ask you, because everybody and his brother has weighed in. You follow this team uh, mm -hmm. religiously. It's what you do for a living. Um, right. What were your thoughts? Because I was watching you last night talking about Marcus Peters mm -hmm. uh, and what went on. Who he was talking to? Was he questioning the head coach? Didn't appear to be a coordinator or another coach. What were your thoughts? Let's start first with John Harbaugh's decision not to kick the field goal with four minutes left in the game. I, I was initially live while it was happening. I was 50-50 on it because I'm like, all right, you just had this really long drive. You haven't scored any points in the second half. Um, you, you made it all the way down to the goal line. You want to go for it? I get it. Uh, but then at the same time, I was thinking, ah, but you, you do want to take the points, too, because the three is is pretty much a guaranteed three. We know crazy things have happened, but it's Justin Tucker. You're right there. It's, it's pretty much a guaranteed three. Um, and then one of my guys texted me. He texted me. and He was like, oh, what, why didn't they just take the points? And I told him the same thing. I was, I was like, I, I was 50-50 on it. But he was like, hey, if, if they kick the three, you take the points there. You take it every time. Because if you kick the three, Buffalo has to beat you with a touchdown. They, they they can't beat you with a field goal. Then you get an opportunity to get the ball back again. So thinking about it at, from that angle, I was like, oh, okay, yeah. They should have definitely taken the three then. Yeah, I, I was just in shock. And uh, we talked about it here yesterday at length. Uh, we had Brian Billick, former Super Bowl winning head coach. He joins us every right. single week to talk about the NFL. And he wasn't going to sit there and, and beat up John Harbaugh because Harbaugh's right, had right. tremendous success. I imagine – uh, that, that Harbaugh, because of all his success, he gets a little extra rope in Baltimore than maybe oh, yeah. some other coaches. Is that fair? Yeah, they, he, uh, a whole lot. Uh, uh, yeah, plenty. Okay. Uh, Marcus Peters, what was that all about? Did you ever find out? I, I've heard different things. We haven't heard anything from directly from John Harbaugh, from Marcus Peters. Um, but so I, I'm, I'm thinking it could be a couple of different things. I saw one fan that said that he was at the game 
uh, to where he said that uh, when when John Harbaugh didn't let the offense just take the three, uh, that that's when Marcus Peters chased him down and started jawing at him. Um, it also could have been Marcus Peters' frustration with uh, Adafi away on that final play. Uh, well, not on the final play, but on the play where uh, the defense seemed to be letting the uh, letting the offense score, letting the Bills' offense score. But Adafi away went for that strip. Uh, he tried to force the fumble, and then it ended up tackling the uh, running back. Uh, and the Ravens, they didn't have any timeouts left, so the game essentially ended there. Um, and that let, set the Bills up to kick a field goal with uh, once time expired. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I'm not sure exactly what it is, uh, but I, I just hope that the whole thing can get cleared up. Because one thing that I was thinking about, and, and we mentioned in, mentioned it in the video that uh, that you spoke of, the Marcus Peters video, is that I just... I, I don't see Marcus Peters getting upset at John Harbaugh. I don't see that as just this thing that happened out of the blue um, because we haven't seen a, a Ravens player get that upset with John Harbaugh in a long time. And I, I can't even recall the last time that that happened. But Marcus Peters, was, and we know Marcus Peters. He's somebody that uh, he displays his emotions uh, all the time. Um, and for him to have not gotten this upset at John Harbaugh like that, to ever have a blow up like that, I think that was significant. So, I mean, hopefully nothing happens with this in the future. Hopefully it doesn't um, doesn't uh, keep any feathers ruffled. Um, but it's just one of those things we'll have to wait and see. All right, let me ask you. Um, you know, here in Cincinnati, like in Baltimore, um, a 2-2 two and two start. The argument can certainly be made that the Bengals could be 4-0, certainly 3-1 and one, if they don't mm -hmm. blow a point after touchdown with one of the best kickers in the league in the season opener against Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the argument can be made, the Ravens, had they not blown that game against Miami where they're up 35-14 <laughs> to 14 at home, right? So they could be 3-1. and one. But look, both of them are 2-2. Two and two. Um, uh -huh. The vibe here in Cincinnati is things are starting to get going. You started 0-2, gave up 13 sacks. Now in the last two games, you've only given up three sacks. Uh, you beat the Jets. The, you know, the Jets aren't bad, but they're not great. Um, and, and then you just demolish Miami. Um, what's the vibe on the 2-2 two and two Ravens right now? Not finishing. Not finishing at home. Uh, and with this game being at home again, um, it's like you, you just don't know what to expect. I, I remember while we were watching the, uh, the Bills game, Ravens jumped out to a 20-3 to lead. Uh, and I know a lot of Ravens fans were excited, but I was saying, hey, like, uh, I, I just – I can't be too excited right now because we've seen what happened. We saw what happened against the Miami Dolphins just a few weeks ago at M&T Bank Stadium mm -hmm. um, where Ravens had an even bigger lead and the whole thing just ended up collapsing. Uh, so we saw, obviously, they collapsed again against the Buffalo Bills. Um, I think the Ravens right now are still trying to figure out who they are. I think the Ravens right now are still trying to figure out uh, what their identity is uh, and who they're going to be this football season. Um, my thing was uh, going into the season, I said we won't really know who teams are until after like the first four, four to five weeks. Um, and I still don't think the Ravens really know who they are uh, completely yet. And it still is early on in the season, but they just, they're looking to see who they're going to be this year. Um, and, and hopefully the, the collapses, they won't continue. I think a big thing um, has been the, the back and forth, the shakiness of the defense. Um, but I think something else that's been getting overlooked a lot uh, is the Ravens' offense late in games. In the second half, and then especially in the fourth quarter, they just have not been scoring points. Uh, they'll get off to these hot starts early on in the game. Uh, they'll rack up all these points, but then 
come in the second half and or come late in the four, or in the fourth quarter, they just stop scoring. And that's obviously it, that's not good enough. Um, especially when you go against teams that are just a couple of big plays away and boom, they're right back in it. And now with them going against the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, Bengals, they're always looking for that big play. They're always looking for that big strike. And when I watched them uh, play against the Dolphins uh, last Thursday, the Dolphins were holding them down for a while. The, the, the Bengals offense, it was quiet for a while. Uh, then all of a sudden, T. Higgins, he gets that, that big touchdown. And then late, um, Jamar Chase, he gets a big catch too. Um, and, and so the Bengals are just, they're just one big strike away. Uh, so Ravens, they, they're going to need to make sure that they keep scoring. Um, but that's the vibe right now that they just still figuring things out. You know, I, I got to ask you, I got to believe part of the reason, and you touched on a couple of them, but, you know, not having J.K. Dobbins, and, and he's near and dear to our hearts here in the Buckeye State. He was such a great player and a great competitor uh, when he played at Ohio State, had the big rookie year, got hurt, comes back early. Uh, I think most people feel like he's not at 100% yet. But, you know, w when you don't have, and you mentioned identity, and I think that's such an important thing for any team. Who are you? What do you want to be? The Ravens traditionally, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, they've had this bruising defense. Uh, they have Lamar Jackson who can do all kinds of things. But then when they have to turn around and hand the ball off, generally they've been very good at that through the years, right. generally speaking. Do you, do you see that running game? And I don't mean the Jamar, uh, Lamar Jackson part of the running game. I'm talking about whoever they put back there. Do you mm -hmm. see that starting to, to uh, a big part of, of, of who they want to be? Or do you think they're kind of saying, we don't know if Dobbins is going to come back. We got another guy hurt. You know, maybe we just – it's all Lamar all the time. That's that's the rough part about it because you would hope that it doesn't have to be all Lamar all the time. But Lamar Jackson has been uh, the Baltimore Ravens' run game. They have just not gotten much of anything out of anybody else. It's, this was just uh, week four, and the first rushing touchdown from somebody other than Lamar just happened uh, with J.K. Dobbins. Um, so the running game has just, and it's weird, especially as Ravens fans, you, you watch this team, and, and like you said, they, they've built uh, their identity, their, their culture over the years have, has been running the ball, playing good defense. In uh, this season, overall, both of those things have been a big struggle uh, for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, but particularly with the run game, um, they have had their fair share uh, of injuries. Mm -hmm. um, Gus Edwards, he is supposed to start practicing this week, so they should get him back. Over the next couple of weeks, uh, J.K. Dobbins, like you mentioned, he he just returned, um, and he's only played last week and, and this past week, so um, he's he's still getting in the flow of things. Uh, Justice Hill, who had been their their best runner, he got an injury this yep. past uh, Sunday against the Bills, so now he'll be out for maybe a couple of weeks. So it's like they they just they haven't been able to run the ball, but they haven't had consistency uh, at the running back position either. So it, it's been a lot of different things that all combine into just a mess. So the running game hasn't been nearly what it used to be, uh, and it hasn't been close to what we're used to uh, as Ravens fans. All right, walk me through for Bengals fans. You know, the first two weeks, they're facing Watt, Cameron Hayward, that Highsmith, that whole pass rushing group. Uh, week two, Parsons and, you know, Lawrence. And I mean, th th these guys are all over the place and they give up 13 yeah. sacks. Now, the next two weeks, they haven't faced that dominant pass rusher, pass rushers. 
in the Jets and the Dolphins. What has the, the, the pass rush been like for the Ravens so far this year? Oh, man, it's, it's, it's been bad. It's been really bad. Um, they went into this season uh, with just Justin Houston and Adafi away uh, as their only outside linebackers, the only healthy pass rushers over the, the course of these four weeks. Uh, they've lost uh, Stephen Means, who uh, they had him on the practice squad, then they called him up to the active roster. Uh, he literally played on the first play that he played in in a game. He got hurt. Torn Achilles lost for the season. Um, Justin Houston, who had been probably their best pass rusher and their most productive pass rusher this year, uh, even though the production has still been low, um, they lost him uh, last week against the Patriots in, early in the first quarter to a groin injury. So he missed this past game. Uh, we won't know until tomorrow when they practice again uh, if he'll start being ready for this next game. Uh, Adafi away, uh, their first-round pick uh, from last year. He um, he's been getting pressure, but the the just the the, the 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 production hasn't been there as far as closing uh, the sacks. He's missed a lot of opportunities. He did get his first sack against Josh Allen uh, this past game, but the pass rush has just been rough. The Ravens did just sign um, Jason Pierre-Paul yep. last week, and he played in this game like right away. Um, and they they needed they needed him to be Superman, but he, he he couldn't be. He just he he wasn't. And the pass rush has been such a big issue. Um, they did draft uh, David Ajabo, but of course at his pro day, um, he suffered that Achilles injury. So we don't know when he'll be back. Uh, I feel like anything that the Ravens could possibly get out of him this year should be considered a bonus. Um, Tyus Bowser, who last year, uh, literally in the last game of the season against the Steelers, last game of the season, uh, he tore his Achilles. Um, so that messed him up for this year, but he should be coming off of the pup list, hopefully this week, uh, so they can get some reinforcements. But overall, the, the pass rush has just been really, really bad. Um, they played the Jets uh, in Week One, and and, and actually, I take it back to the preseason. In the preseason, the Ravens' pass rush it looked really good, and they were really getting home. And a lot of us were thinking, okay, wait a minute, this, this looks good. It's the preseason, but it's better to have a good pass rush in the preseason than a bad one you have to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, so then in week one against Joe Flacco and the Jets, the, the pass rushers still look good. And we were like, all right, let's go. Ravens are getting after it. Um, but then in the Dolphins, the pass rush lasts for maybe, lasted for maybe a quarter. And then after that, it was non-existent. Um, and then in week three against the Patriots, uh, it was on and off, uh, mostly off. Um, but then against uh, the Bills, it was just pretty much all the way off. They had a couple of flashes here and there, but it's been pretty bad. So um, that has been a big part, uh, in my opinion, of the Ravens, the lack of success uh, that they've had on defense. A big part of it has been just the lack of pass rush. And as, as you know, um, both on, on both sides of the ball, uh, a good pass rush, it changes yep. everything. No everything doubt about it. No doubt about like it. Um, let me ask you, let me ask you, let me ask you this. Well, let me mm -hmm. ask you this before I let you go. Um, and I know it's your opinion, but 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 it's based on a, a lot of other people and the way they look at it. The Bengals, for a long time, were the laughing stock of the AFC North. For whatever reason, even when they've had some bad teams, they've pulled off some pretty big upsets against the Ravens through the years, oh, yeah. and they obviously dominated them last year. But Lamar only played the first game. Right? How do people view the Bengals now in Baltimore? Mm, I, I think. Um... 
people have no choice but to respect the Bengals because um, I know a lot of people, they don't like the Bengals. They, they have this nasty taste in their mouth, and they're like, oh, man, those are the little brothers of the AFC North. Um, but you have to respect what the Bengals did um, because in Joe Burrow, his, his first four years starting, they made it all the way to the Super Bowl, all the way to the Super Bowl. Um, and that's, that's big. That's huge. Uh, and he does have a nice set of weapons over there. Jamar Chase, um, Tyler Boyd, Mr. Fourth and Twelve, uh, and then T. Higgins, <laughs> of course, as well. Um, and then some familiar faces like Hayden Hurst, former first-round yep. pick of the Baltimore Ravens. Um, and then, of course, uh, Joe Mixon as well. But um, I, And I think with, with a lot of Ravens fans, I think one of the biggest things now, uh, especially based off of last year when Joe Burrow threw over 500 yards, um, a lot of Ravens fans just want to see, like, all right, what are the Bengals going to do against a completely healthy Ravens, even though they're not completely healthy, but a, a much more healthy Ravens team. Um, so that's that's going to be a, a, a big task uh, for both teams uh, going into this game, um, just to see how things are when the, 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 the playing field is a little bit more even. But as far as uh, last year, a lot of Ravens fans are looking at that, like, yeah, the Bengals, they, they dominated the Ravens, and the Ravens were all beat up, but... I mean, the way I looked at it, you can't blame the Bengals for putting up all those points. Like, it's a football game. You're not going to go into the game and be like, all right, well, this team is injured, so we're going to take it easy on them. No, you're going to try to rack up a bunch of points because you are trying to win the game. Um, so now, yeah, it's, it's up to the Ravens to prove, like, all right, last year was last year, and this year, let, let, let's see what they've got. All right. You have any prediction for the game? What do you think? Mm. You in the prediction business at all? <sighs> Not come on really, now, I, come on now. Look, I, I mean, come on, come on. I, I'm worried about this one um, because it is at home. Oh, yeah, for sure, because it is at home. Uh, we know the Ravens are 0-2 at home. Um, and they, again, it's been the same way that they've, they've played at home this year. Big leads, then big collapses. Um, and they, they may be without Rashad Bateman, uh, who is their, um, their number one receiver. Uh, so if they're without Rashad Bateman, uh, we saw last week, uh, Rashad Bateman, he had a rough game. Initially, he had a couple of drops, and then he got a foot injury. He was in a walking boot after the game. Um, and the, the Bills made sure they, they just completely took out Mark Andrews from the game. He had like two catches for, I think, 15 yards. Uh, so he got removed from the game completely. And that forced the Ravens to be like, all right, who, who else is going to step up? Um, and they just they, they, they didn't get it done. Um, so this game does concern me. I, I expect it to be... Um, one of those AFC North stressful football games, like uh, it usually is. So we'll see how it goes. All right. I can't thank you enough for your time, young man. Oh, yeah, You've sure. been awesome. And, and, and maybe we'll get back together on Monday after a late Sunday night and get your thoughts <laughs> of uh, the way this whole thing goes down. Hey, it should be fun. I appreciate you having me on. Thank All righty. All the best to you and your family, and uh, great having them on Thank here. You. I mean, look, that, that's what the show's all about at the end of the day here, as we talk about. We're going to have Zim Hude coming up here in a minute. Um, uh, I like and you, Yeah, he's the best. He's the best. Mm -hmm. I mean, we love him. He's a regular on the program. But mm -hmm. uh, thank you again, and have a great rest oh, yeah, of your sure. day. So we're going to take a time out, but, but that's what this show is. We want to hear from guys that aren't giving us all the X's and O's. And I mean, look, your eyes roll in the back of your head when you hear some, oh, the A gap, and he didn't bust it all. I mean, all that stuff's good. It's got a place. And we have some of that for you. But we also just like hearing from the, 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 the fans that really follow these teams, especially in the AFC North. So we thank him. 
And we got our buddy Zim Uday coming up around the corner on Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Stick around for Zim. All right, welcome back to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Uh, I forgot my cheaters here today. I'm showing my age, along with my white facial hair, known as, uh, with my man Zim Hude, a savage mode. We'll get to him in a second here. But um, uh, Engraven Vids, thank you so much. Um, 6412 Mars, uh, Dustin, um, so many others. M. Zeet Wizard. Okay, all you guys are uh, dialed in today. Big numbers today watching the program. And it's because they know that our buddy Zim Hude is in the house today. Zim, it was great seeing you in person at the game the other night. And uh, you posted that video I saw on Twitter of us uh, giving the, uh, the, the, the fist bump uh, right up against a glass partition. You with all your high roller friends on one side, <laughs> me in the lower income section next door. Um, I mean, you run with a big time crowd, man. I mean, you're up there in the skybox. Your wife is just so adorable, by the way. I know I'm going off on a tangent, but I really enjoyed meeting her, meeting you. It was great to see you that night. That was a fun atmosphere. That was a great atmosphere. I feel like, isn't that crazy? You know, we didn't plan this or anything. I just look up and I'm like, oh, there's Tom and Luke. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just thought that was like divine intervention, like, you know, like something that I couldn't control. I was so excited to see you right there. I don't like the way that he's posing as people as though Tom wasn't in a box himself. Like, like I'm the only guy that was in a box. Like, you know, somebody. Yeah, but see, there. but see, there's a difference here. Okay, the difference is okay. is that uh, I was in a, a box only at the last second because one mm -hmm. of our great sponsors, Encore Technologies, they had that box, and John Burns was Ooh. kind enough to let us come in there that night at the last minute. You, on the other hand, every time you roll into town. I mean, is that because you're such – I'm being serious here for a second because I was talking to Casey and Brandon about this. When I looked over in that box, you're in there. You have this incredible social media following, social influencer, I think is the correct term, right? You've got this woman who goes by the commish, Yaz, I think she goes by. She's a huge uh, influencer, social media influencer with Bet Fred. They've lined up with the Bengals to be their – uh, gambling partner once it becomes illegal in Ohio. Um, th there are obviously a lot of people out there, and I'm being totally serious when I ask you this question. In, in this social media world, people like you and her and some others, I mean, th th they're people that really want you guys to be a part of this franchise, it feels like. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. I, I feel really good about, like, you know, the advancements of advertising and the advancements of organic interactions. And I think that's a part of it, you know, even if it's the tailgate, you know, which I saw you at too, it's like, you know, people are recognizing that people that truly, truly influence, you know, um, whether it's, you know, if you're on the optimistic side or the pessimistic side, like there's people that are truly influence all of that. And I, and I love the fact that, Companies like Betfred are smart enough to realize that, you know, like these guys can really, really help us out. And I think it's really dope. That's what I've been trying to tell you, Tom. Like, I got to get in the building. If I can get in the building, 
I mean, we can go all the way to the top. So that, that's well, you, one you, I have no doubt you're going to be in the building all the time. Um, my wife, meanwhile, is ready to run me out of the building. She will not even uh, kiss me. She says, these are like a porcupine. These things going <laughs> on. Okay. Now, you look very handsome in a beard. You look very good. It comes in black. It looks great. Mine comes in white. It doesn't look great. So I'm going to be in um, savage mode through this Baltimore game. And then I'm D-U-N. I'm done. I, I think If they can't right beat call. the Atlanta Falcons without Cordero Patterson the following week, without me having a beard, then, then they got bigger problems than both of us think they have. Yes. Hold on. Well, hold on. The Saints is the following week because I'm going to be in New Orleans going crazy out there now. You want to talk about some influence. <laughs> we're going to have a lot of influence out there. We're going to have a lot of fun out there. So I'm really excited about that. But, yeah, no, nah, I, I got you. If we can at least carry that through Sunday night, I think that will right. at least carry us to a victory right there. I'm, okay. I'm with you. I feel like that's a All good right. move. Now, I just had our man um, in Gravens. You know who he is? Okay, he, oh he said he's a big guy. fan of yours. Great dude. And, 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 and look, he guy. said he's really worried about this, uh, this game against the Bengals. What are, what are your thoughts on uh, your buddy Joe Mixon? You guys have a, 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 a close personal relationship, and I never, ever, ever want to breach that relationship you have with him on this show. It's not what I'm doing. But it made big headlines around here of him calling – uh, the offensive line into a meeting uh, along with some of the offensive staff to sit down with those guys. And he went to Ted Karras and said, hey, look, can we all sit down and talk about what's going on in the run game? I was very impressed he did it. What are your thoughts? Uh, Joe is one of those guys, man. I don't know if I've ever met somebody. Joe Mixon uh, is one of those guys that I've, I, I don't think I've ever met that truly, truly, does not care about anything other than being really, really good at what he does. I mean, you know, even if they win, he's still going and watching the film like four or five times. He'll, like, you know, like he'll come off a plane and be like, man, I watched this thing so many times. I got to figure this out. And, you know, like, and, and it's not that he doesn't, um, you know, want the team to win. It's just like he wants, he wants so badly to do his part, you know, and so – I think a lot of people are trying to write him off early and, you know, like I, I, I told him personally, I was like, it ain't your time yet, you know what I mean? So I, I just think that, you know, it just takes a little bit of time. If you remember last year, it just took some time for the offense to kind of kick it into gear. Mm -hmm. If you look at the numbers, the offense actually is, is, pretty, is ranked pretty high in a lot of different things. It's just the defense has been playing really, really well. Um, people are questioning the opponents that they played. They weren't questioning the opponents before we played the Dolphins because the Dolphins were the hottest thing smoking when they came in Thursday night. But, you know, that's just how this goes as, as far as being a Bengals fan. But uh, Joe Mixon, I think, is just one of those guys, though, if, if you really, really value guys that love the game of football, um, he, he's at the top of the list, man. I, I can't even express that anymore. Like, nothing matters more than football to him. Um. You live there in Baltimore. For those that don't know, and you've been there, you know, forever. You're a Bengals fan. You're right there in the in the uh, you know the eye of the storm, so to speak, with uh, the Bengals playing the Ravens this week. Now, the Bengals dominated them twice last year. One time Lamar played, the other time he did not. Um, 
What are they saying about this game there in Baltimore after this loss to the Buffalo Bills over the weekend? Well, I'm going to just make this clear, too. It's two different worlds where I live in. I live closer to D.C. Baltimore is like an hour away, and it's almost like I imagine if I was in Ohio and somebody said, oh, I live in Columbus versus, I don't know, Cincinnati or something like that. It's just it's totally different in that regard, but we are close enough. So I do have – most of my friends or whatever are Washington football team or Commander fans, right? But the, the Ravens fans that I do know – feel really confident, I think, in the game in regards to they like where their offense is going. And truly, I'm going to just tell you the, the honest to God truth. I don't think the and, – and we learned this after the Bengals went to the Super Bowl. Ravens fans just don't – they don't look at the Bengals as though, like, they're a formidable opponent. Right. They look at us like, like we're the Cleveland Browns. Like, And then when you show them, like, the head-to-head matchup, when you show them how many interceptions Joe Flacco threw, you show them anything you want, they'd be like, oh, I mean, yeah, that happened, but it's not like y'all the Steelers. And then in our minds, we're looking at them like, hey, like, we collectively hate the Steelers together, right? And then after we went to the Super Bowl, I think, like, a lot of whatever, jealousy, whatever, I don't know, just came spewing out. So the ones that I talk to feel really confident that they're going to stomp a mud hole into the Bengals. I haven't met one Ravens fan. Any Raven, and the reason why I love him, is because he's so truthful and so truthful to what he truly believes. And I value that so much. And I just think that he's – it was amazing he came on your show too because I just think that that's one of the most honest opinions you'll ever get in football. And and, and the, the fans that I know, they don't value the Bengals like that. They think that they only lost because of injuries. And if they lose on Sunday night, they'll blame the coordinator. They'll blame injuries. They won't ever tell you that the Bengals are good. I know yeah. that for a fact. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not surprised to hear that, though. I mean, when you're the, the quote-unquote, let, let, let's face it, I mean, seemingly forever, going back to when they started the franchise here in Baltimore and moved from Cleveland, uh, Brian Billick takes over. They're in the playoffs every year. They win the Super Bowl one year. They got the dominant defense. Everybody knows about that. Uh, and then John Harbaugh comes in. Flacco comes in. They go to the playoffs, I think, Flacco's first six or seven years. Uh, win a Super Bowl. So, look, I, I, I mean, I, I get it why they might, quote, unquote, look down their noses a little bit based on the past against the Bengals. But like he just said a little while ago, you know, now all of a sudden you're going, well, Joe Burrow's first full year, they go to the Super Bowl. They got Jamar Chase. They got T. Higgins. They got Tyler Boyd. They got Joe Mixon. Now they got Hayden Hurst, who looks like he's becoming a bigger part of this offense. Uh, I, I don't, I, you know, I I don't know how in the world, even if you're the most ardent Ravens fan, how at this point in time you could continue to look down your nose at the Bengals. I, I don't get it. I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out because even the calling card of the Ravens is the defense. They're yeah. giving up more passing yards in the NFL than any team in, 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 the, in the NFL currently right now. And then when you look at what the Bengals have done on defense, they're like top five in every single category. <laughs> like the matchup – and then and then Vegas is letting you know just from an odds maker standpoint, they have home field advantage. So they gave them the three points. So, you know, that's pretty much – they're calling it a, a coin flip anyway. But – a lot of that is predicated and a lot of that is to push the action to make sure that people bet it because more people in the United States 
are going to vote, are going to bet for the Ravens versus the the Bengals. If you're looking at the game for what it's worth, like coming into this matchup, it doesn't look to be in the Ravens' favor, in my opinion. Like, and I like to look at it like objectively as possible. But if you don't have an extreme pass rush, I just don't feel like you can bother Joe Burrow and the Bengals. I really don't. Um, you're sitting in that big league kitchen today. Uh, that's sitting there behind you in your estate out in the woods somewhere uh, outside of D.C. We won't say where that is. It's probably near Langley or Quantico or somewhere <laughs> like that where you're dialed in with the CIA and the FBI and, and, and you know all those people. They're your friends. They're your neighbors. Um, we, we found out the last couple of weeks that you're quite the woodsy man, if you would. So can you tell us, give us any kind of update on, on something woodsy you have done the last a week or so. Well, I was out of town, so you weren't uh, woodsy in Cincinnati. I can tell you that. I wasn't woodsy out there. I, <laughs> I go back to my roots, and I just, I just kind of. Well, I was a little woodsy, you know. I had my drinks with me, and then, you know, I keep it moving with my guys and stuff. And man, how about that tailgate? Like, like can I go back to that tailgate real quick? Of that course, you can. Bit. Our guys, uh, Bengals Gym and those guys over there, they do an excellent job. They run a, they raised a good amount of money. I just thought, like, the atmosphere, everything was really dope there. And I just wanted to shout out, like, the, the Bengals fans that really showed up. And how about the atmosphere? We were in there. Like, I know you called so many games. Like, how was that to see, like, an all-white crowd at a Bengals game? Like, how did, you know, like, how did that It was unbelievable. You- it was unbelievable. I, I mean, I, I said it, you know, uh, the Friday after, is that um, – we're so used to seeing that in the college environment, especially Penn State. And if they win uh, this week and the next week after that, Ohio State will go rolling in there uh, on a primetime game on a Saturday night. There'll be 110,000 people, whatever it is. There'll be a, a big whiteout. Never see it at a pro game. Uh, and it felt like, although, again, you're sitting up there with the, the highfalutin folks, but it certainly <laughs> felt like, uh, it was a college environment there right from the very beginning, from tailgating right into the game. I, I, I was, you know, people were asking me, you know, like, how was it? And I was like, man, it was, it was one of the best crowds that I've ever been at, at, a, at a Bengals stadium and, um, or a Bengals game. And I, I just thought it was awesome, man. I, I wanted to get your, you know, I didn't know if I was off base or I was overselling it. No. I really you know, no. value your, your opinion because you're used to being in boxes and stuff like that. So I just <laughs> thought that maybe <laughs> from your standpoint, you know, like it maybe looked a little different. You know, I don't know if you've ever even sat like with the with the common folk down. Yes, I have. As a matter of fact, okay. Luke and I went to the Jacksonville game last year on that Thursday night. We sat there with the regular folks. We went to the Ohio State Michigan game a year ago, sat right down there in the okay. corner of the end zone, going crazy. Hopefully, we're going to go back to that Buckeyes Michigan game in Columbus Ooh. this year. Uh, that'll be a big time game. Uh, so, you, before I let you go, you never answered my question. Have you done anything woodsy since getting back home? No, when I came back, it's the same old thing. It's the pond action. I need to make sure my water, I got to test the water when I come back, make sure the pH levels and everything are fine. So get that get that stuff straight, clear out some filters, make sure I get the net flush over the top because there's lots of birds out here too, Tom. Lots of ravens that are always trying to take, trying to take <laughs> over what I'm doing over here at my pond. So I think it's, it's kind of like a microcosm of what's going to happen on Sunday night. I must protect. 
the fish that we're trying to get to swim, the burrow babies that I like to call them out there. And after that, we can swim to success. How's very, that? Very nice. Okay. You got a prediction on the what, guys? You got something for Zim? Well, I was going to ask Zim. Zim was cool, too cool to hang out with me uh, when he was in town last time. You he and Tom both, both big, you and Tom both big time me. Yep. Yeah. And we'll continue I, to do so, I might add. I was going to say. say no, we, well, say I was hanging out with the big, with the stars and I was, and I was old and washed. And I went back to my room, and Sailor was like, "Where are you at?" He's out there hanging with the big dogs. I thought you. With me. I thought you would have been out partying all night long after that victory, but maybe it got the best of you at the game. Man, I was. Man, look. <laughs> it, it, sponsors are here, I'm sure, but I wasn't in my best element throughout the through most of the game. So by the time the game was over, I was like, "Yeah, you were done. You were done. Your your, your wife had to keep an eye on you." And, uh, <laughs> and God bless her for getting you back to you know your hotel safe and sound and everything's cool. You're definitely going to the game this week in Baltimore, right? For sure, for sure. Now, do you? I'm curious, and I mean this because some some uh, home crowds are different than I'm. And I've done a number of games in Baltimore on television, but I'm sitting up there at the 50 yard line and you know the whole nine yards. But the the atmosphere is phenomenal. Uh, it used to be I, I'd have lost a lot of money if I were a gambler. It used to be that the Ravens never lost in that place. When you go there and you got all your Bengal stuff on and you're, you know, you're hooting and hollering and all that kind of thing, uh, are you fearful from the fans around you that something bad could happen or are they okay? No, no, I've never had a problem at like any of these games, honestly. Like, you know, like now that I'm, I'm getting more notoriety, I guess, maybe somebody might say, oh, there goes that Zim dude, <laughs> you know what I mean? But like at the same time, I'm so locked in. I'm so focused on the game. You know, like I only really celebrate like with Bengals fans and it's kind of like anything in life. Like, you know, I don't really send energy towards like people I don't really know and stuff like that. Like I don't even, you know, there's a typical guy that says, oh, let me buy you a drink. It's not, nah, nah, I'm good. You know, and I'm just, I'm really locked into the football game. And if that's a problem for somebody, then that's not my problem. You know what I mean? I know what you mean, uh, Casey. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you this. Um, people usually hate the Steelers more than the Ravens. That's just kind of how it usually goes. Me growing up, I hated the Ravens more. And I have a very special story to tell. About to expose my father on this one. Um, we were all going to a Ravens game. And uh, this was like in the third or fourth quarter. The Bengals are down by like a score or, or two, like 10 points, something like that. Andy Dalton fumbles the ball. And... These Ravens fans were just behind us being belligerent the whole game. And we had caught them beer dipping. I don't know if anyone's familiar with that. They stick your fingers down in their beer cups and flip beer onto people, right? And who does that? It's terrible, right? It's a terrible concept, a terrible idea. You're wasting beer. It's like $14 a beer. I'm drinking every, every ounce of that. And as soon as they picked it up and the Ravens fans just literally dumped their entire beer beer on my family pretty much my dad turns around grabs the guy by his collar and is getting ready to just sock him right in the face my whole family jumps in it's a huge pile up wow the Bengals kick us out when they were drunk and just belligerent and mm. other Bengals fans didn't help us out they weren't protecting us that's pretty lame pretty so lame indictment on, on the Bengals home fans ever, I gotta tell you ever since then I've hated the Ravens with a burning passion. So last year was a treat. This year, I hope to really just 
rub salt in the wound. Just rub it in. Rub it in deep. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate that you had to go through that. I think you now now you know Tom. You could just hang out in the suite. Just yeah. pull, pull hang out in the skybox. You know, just go to a skybox, take the high road, hang out with Tom and his friends with the big wigs, and you don't have to go through that anymore. <laughs> See, he's painting me into a into a a wrong corner here. My main man's in. Tom, I'm going Tom, south on him. Me? Tom, can you hook me up with some sweets? At the Ravens game, I need to get protected. Dude, so I, I told you, I told you that I was invited at the last minute. Now I'll run it by John Burns. I think, and he's a guy who runs him and Larry Shakely. They own and they run Encore Technologies. It's a multi-billion-dollar company based out of here in Cincinnati. And um, I'll run it by him. I'll just say, All hey, look, well, you need two. Are you bringing your wife every week? Your son? What? No, no, no. <laughs> no just me and one of my buddies. One of, who's your buddy? Am I one of your buddies? You can be one of my buddies. You want to come to the game with me? Or Tom. Everybody. The game's on you. Sam, uh, where did you end up Well, if we start getting more sponsors on this show, <laughs> I was notified by a buddy of mine the other day who is a very successful businessman here in town, Jeff Gibson. And he said, look, if that show starts getting advertising and you guys start making some money off that, you know, maybe one day Chatterbox Sports, we buy our own Skybox, and if that happens, Zim, you're there every week. I'm not so sure about Brandon and Casey, but you will be there every single week. <laughs> if you want to have a good and time, you'll invite me. The the prices at Paycor um, box suites or whatever went up double in this all season. I'm not surprised. Like, they went from fifty to one hundred. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Not surprised at all. Uh, that, that's, that that's a price to do. Well, I mean, it is. It's a price to do in business. I mean, it is what it is. You know, that's okay. Zim, you take care of yourself, uh, and we'll get a full report from you uh, after the game on Sunday night. So God bless you, you and your family. Tell your bride I said hello, your son, and we'll catch up next week. All right. Thank you for having me. Talk to you guys soon. My main man, Zim, who day? Follow him all the time. You'll know what's happening with the Bengalis. I'm getting, like I said, I forgot my uh, glasses here today, so I have to do this. <laughs> I have to move my contact over to a side so I can see. Um, let's see here. This is amazing. Well, I mean, it is what it is. Um, you know, uh, got to get in the suites, Casey. Uh, says you got to get in there. Um, <laughs> this is incredible. <laughs> guys, it is what, you know, here's one I liked. Chicken Caesar salad. Now, I don't know if he's saying this is a joke because, I, you know, after a while, it's just like get some new material or if he's serious. And he said we have to get Nick Castellanos on this show. It should be noted, Chicken Caesar salad, that uh, we reached out to Nick Castellanos quite some time ago about being on the very first program. He said he would love to come on. He said, but he asked if we could wait until after the Philadelphia Phillies season is over. And we're very excited for him uh, that they are in the playoffs as of last night for the first time, Philadelphia in the baseball playoffs for the first time in 11 years. Mentioned earlier, it's the longest drought among all National League teams. So we will get him on. And we're very grateful. We had a great conversation with him. Uh, back and forth on the phone. First time I've spoken with him ever since all that stuff went down back in August of 2020. I feel badly 
that he's been linked into all that kind of stuff uh, of what I said. Um, and, you know, I, I feel terrible about it. But his wife has been incredibly supportive. I don't know her either. But uh, we're going to get him on. And we're looking forward to it. So thank you for that suggestion. So many people watching today. I mean, it's amazing. So many. So thank you. And again, oh, there we go. Uh, another, uh, uh, another wise guy out there, but at least he's watching. <laughs> I mean, does it ever get old? The internet. I mean, seriously, does it ever get old? Come up with some new material, okay? New material, because all you're doing is reciting the same old thing. Anyway, love our man Zim. We're going to take a break and come back and talk about what's happening in the world of sports. Casey, Brandon, me, we got Tracy Jones coming up a little bit later on in the program. Casey's new to baseball, so we'll get his thoughts <laughs> on what, the, what it means when it says on a pitcher's line, right? You've got innings pitched, hits. That's an H. Yeah, H yeah. is for hits. IP is for innings pitched, right? Yeah. You've got R. You know what that stands for? Runs. Runs. Yeah. You have uh, K. You know what that stands for? No. No idea. I'm that new to baseball. You, I mean, you're, you're kidding. I mean, K. I mean, I'll give you a hint. Not, come, knock, on. Knock, <laughs> come on. Come on. Not, knockouts? Strikeouts? Yay. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. We're good. Knockouts. Flipping coins over there. <laughs> Holy smokes. They're like knockouts. Strikeouts. Um, okay. And then BB. You know what that stands for? Yeah. Ball on base. Because I... Well, it's a walk. It's, it's, close. A, it's a walk. It's a walk. Base on ball. Yeah. Did you just say ball on base? He was hey, that was really close. I give it to Case on that one. I'm not giving it to him because I told him what it was earlier. Oh, okay, never mind. I, I didn't know that. He says he's learning baseball. He's, and by the way, what is this adult dating site that's showing up on our screen here? Is that some kind of spam thing? I think it's spam. Yeah, we can remove Or is that. it somebody we know that's trying to get Brandon a date? <laughs> I'm married, Casey's engaged. I mean, look, there are a lot of people that, that, that really enjoy these dating websites. I mean, they don't all have to be dark and over the top and all that kind of thing. A lot of them are very, very up and up. Yeah. My father-in-law did it. He was married for 30-something years. He was a 60-year-old man. I had a friend of him show it. He met some, some, some really sweet, smart women who, you know, maybe were divorced, they were widows, whatever it might be. All of these things are not dark. I met my fiance on Tinder. You did? I did. Okay, well, then that's what I'm talking about. They're not all dark. So, you know, whoever this spam thing is, uh, what is this? Can you even read it? Um, yeah, we, we delete the messages, the spam messages on the stream, so. I can't see anything. <laughs> um, I'm being told, don't, don't feed the trolls. That's probably a smart move. I, I, I got off the reservation here for a little while. Um, McKenzie's just checking in. Um, I think that's a she. I can't see the picture. Says, work meetings made me late. I'm here for the rest of the show. Okay. Rest of the show, we're going to talk about what's going on in sports. We have Tracy Jones coming up at 1130. Stick around on Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. 
All right, we're back on Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. By the way, um, you know, these guys were giving me some grief. We had this football that's sitting in, my, in front of my computer. We can lose that graphic there for a second. No grief. We had it around the office. I didn't bring it in. When we take the shot of you guys over there, right, we've got a Steve Logan jersey for the Cincinnati Bearcats. Let me see that shot, Casey. Yeah, go All right. ahead. Yeah. We've got the Johnny Bench jersey, so the Reds are represented. Casey brings in the Joe Burrow jersey, so the Bengals are represented. We don't have anything FC. I'll bring in something Ohio University. But this was sitting around, and, and guys play catch in here. <laughs> and it's got the Buckeyes logo on it. And I'm thinking, or the we EDF have nothing logo. in here with Ohio State. So let's, let, let's have that, and you guys went off the reservation. Like there was something wrong with it. We did. You guys go. said we're going to get a lot of comments on that, I, and be, we've had none. There'll be some N U N none. <laughs> there'll be some UC fans that that, that will get in the comments. Well, eventually. they need to get over it. I mean, my they, dad they, went they to Ohio State. Cincinnati's not, got their own thing to be very, very proud of. They should feel incredible about what they are doing down there and what they have done. You don't need to keep comparing yourself to other people. UC is never going to be Ohio State. They're not going to be, and they don't need to be. They no, the, proved yeah, last are, year, because the last time I checked, Ohio State did not play in the college football playoff last year. The University of Cincinnati did. All right, and moving into the Big 12 and with a college football playoff expansion, okay, they have a legitimate chance to get back there again one day. But they're never going to be Ohio State University. They're not going to be. Right. I mean, they're, and they're not going to be Alabama. They're not going to be Michigan. And they're not going to be, it's not to say they can't beat them on a giving year. I'm not saying that at all. I mean, maybe UC would have beaten Ohio State last year. Desmond Ritter running around, terrible defense for the Buckeyes. Um, and so we're getting all kinds of, of – um, of messages. Thank you for blowing it up for me here so I can now. <laughs> yeah, I supersize the text so you can read. All right, look. Um, very good news just released a short while ago, right? We were talking about John Burns from our sponsor, Encore Technologies, one of our many sponsors. Our title sponsor is UDF. But John Burns is going to be sitting on the board of the newly formed, the newly created, fellas, fill in the blank, you have it in front of you. The Joe Burrow Foundation. And I had a feeling Burrow was going to obviously start a foundation. And we know what he's done for the food pantry there in, um, in Athens and in the Plains. Yep. Obviously, the Heisman speech that we've talked about multiple times gave them not just hundreds of thousands, but millions of donations. Yep. And now he is announcing today, Joe Burrow is, the Joe Burrow Foundation, which is going to help, uh, help organizations to feed families who need food and also help fight childhood mental health here in Ohio, in Louisiana. I'm sure it'll have an impact across the country. Like you said, Encore Technologies, John is on that board. Many people locally are on that board. And I I'm very excited about about that you know i had a feeling burrow was going to get into the mental health side of things at that ohio state game he was at with sam hubbard he wore a shirt that had some type of mental health uh message on it and so i think it is going to not just obviously raise money and raise awareness but 
as someone who has fought mental health in my life, to have someone that big go into giving back and raising awareness, it's going to help not just people here, but it's going to help thousands of kids who never thought about asking for help or going to therapy or even having the resources to do so now will because of that foundation. So hats off to him and his family, his mom and dad are both involved, both yeah. uh, vice presidents in the, in the organization. It's obviously going to blow up because it's Joe Burrow, but he puts a lot of thought into what he does. So I'm glad that he's going out on, on this journey as well. You know, uh, Anthony Munoz was with us on the big interview. He was the very first one we had. And um, we also had a conversation with another great offensive lineman who will probably one day end up in the NFL and Reuben Brown from the Buffalo Bills. He was on before that first uh, game of the year when Buffalo played the Rams. And, and both of them talked about when they started their foundations that they couldn't give their time to everything when they were playing. You gave so much of your life to football. You gave your life to your family. Uh, for both of those guys, your life to your faith. And they felt like they couldn't do this right uh, starting their foundations uh, until after their playing days were over. There have been many guys out there who have started them and shut them down while they were still playing. Um, Burrow, and I think his mom and dad, Brandon, because you touch on this. Mm -hmm. For those who don't know, um, Joe grew up in Athens, Ohio. That, that's in the heart of Appalachia. I went to college here at Ohio University. I, I go back two or three times a year. It's one of my favorite places in the world. I'd move there tomorrow. I really would. I'd live there the rest of my life. Uh, my wife's not having that. But um, what he did for the Heisman speech, what he did for the Athens County Food Bank, talked about how he had teammates that he knew were going home after practice at Athens High School, public high school, not some private deal. Uh, they were going home um, hungry, no food. And he saw the impact that made on him. His dad was a football coach under Frank Solich at Ohio University for many, 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 many years. Still very sharp, very with it. Mom, same thing. With them running that thing and the business community here in Cincinnati, I'll say right now, hours after they've announced it's launching, I'll say right now, it is going to be right there with the Anthony Munoz Foundation one day, maybe in the not-too-distant future. No doubt about it, and, and I've already reached out to them to try to get involved because I love that mission, obviously starting the Mental Game podcast, not even about the podcast, but just any way to help people locally in Cincinnati dealing with mental health I want to get involved in, so... Uh, it's going to be a success. Um, the fact that he's got his mom and dad on board, and I've had the chance to meet them and interact with them, they are as genuine as they get. No doubt. And the fact that Jimmy took off coaching his Burroughs senior year, yeah. got to go to every game, and uh, he, they've been more than willing to embrace the community. You see Burroughs' girlfriend Olivia out tailgating with fans before the games too, so... I, I think that is just an awesome mission, and it's, and it's genuine. You know, you see people start foundations or start – you talked about some people start them, don't finish them, or aren't as involved as you'd hope. This is something I guarantee he and his family will be involved in every step of the way. We, we, we got to get it – you know, if we can't get Joe on, and I know he's busy during the season, um, 
But we got to get his mom and his dad uh, on the show to talk more about this foundation. Mm -hmm. uh, and I need to talk to his dad about getting OU straightened out in football. <laughs> well, he's not going to have much time to do that with the foundation. He'll but. have time because he they still live in Athens, right? Yeah. They still live there. Yep, still live yeah. there. I mean, you know, that, that's where they are. And I guarantee his dad is going to football games when it works out that the next day he can go to a Bengals game. It's homecoming weekend this weekend in Athens. He's got to be at that game. Oh, or he's in Baltimore. I'd be Son's in Baltimore. making big money. He can get him on a plane and <laughs> get him there in time. But, um, you know, thanks for, for all the folks. A lot of people wondering, by the time the Bengals play Atlanta, and I was wrong by a week on that, it's New Orleans first in Atlanta, not vice versa, that, um, that we might see Desmond Ritter at quarterback. I don't think that's happening. They won – Right. A big game over the weekend. Now, Mariota is not putting up huge numbers, but, but they're 2-2 they're two and two as well. Yeah. They're not awful. Yeah, they needed to lose some games and him not play as, as decently well as he has for Ritter to have a shot to come in, I think. But yeah. it would be cool to see him play at Paycor Stadium. All right, now, after hearing what you heard from Ingraven Vids and his thoughts on the Baltimore Ravens, and here, once again, we're getting hacked. We're getting hacked. Anybody that's on with us, and there are, are hundreds of you, uh, you're getting flooded. Um, they tell me if you're getting these uh, adult dating website bots that our show is actually gaining some steam. I don't know if that's true or not. I'll ask Tracy Jones about that. But um, after what you heard, Casey, I'll start with you. After what you heard about the quote-unquote state of the Ravens, and I think we really got a very good summation of where that team is. I mean, you knew about all the injuries, the guys that were hurt last year, guys that were hurt this year trying to come back, guys that were hurt in the game most recently against Buffalo, about where they are with their pass rush, where they are with their run game. Um does that change anything about the way you guys feel about this game this weekend against the Bengals? Well, uh, I mean, I will say this. He made me feel like that there's blood in the water and that we're the Sharks. It didn't seem like he was ready for a fight, pretty much. He's worried about his team, which makes me feel like if they take care of business, that it could benefit them not just for this game, but for the rest of the year. If you can damage a team's morale early on and it affect them for a couple games that they're supposed to win that's big it's huge so it doesn't change how i feel that they should just go in there take care of business win solidly but i think there's a little bit more on the line in terms of just the scope of what will happen the rest of the season because you beat them now you probably have beaten them the rest of the year. You beat them at home. You know, you, you're damaging that team's morale, like I said. Um, that's going to affect them for the rest of the season. Um, the, the fight between uh, Marcus Peters and John Harbaugh, it was kind of surprising to hear that he doesn't even remember the last time Harbaugh has been into a, a fight with a player or gotten to a spat, you know? And that sort of thing 
Well, I mean, I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember a lot of coaches uh, who who really get into major spats with their players during the course of a game. Much less a guy who's won a Super Bowl and taken the team to the playoffs seemingly every single year. I mean, um, I mean, Zach Taylor has been around here for a terrible year, a couple of terrible years, and then you go to a Super Bowl. I, I don't recall. Maybe I'm wrong. You guys follow it more than I do. Um, that that there's been any players screaming at him. Um, and we really don't know yet, I don't think, if Peter, and he said that, we don't know for sure that Peters was screaming at Harbaugh, but I think it is very fair to say, and Boomer Esiason, I mentioned this yesterday, uh, he laid it right out there in that CBS postgame where he said, I can promise you there are Ravens players that are really upset about this whole thing that happened. Um, and, and, and not kicking the field goal. Are you giving me a thumbs up? Cause Tracy's here. Tracy is here. He's here already. He's here already. Oh, he wants to, he wants to be here the whole 37 minutes. Take us to the finish line. I mean, he looks ready to go. He's a big leaguer at the backwards hat. He's got the frat style going on for you. Cause he knows you were a frat star in college. Let me, before we go any further, um, we got a very interesting note here by Andrew. He says the Ravens are the first team since the 2017 Minnesota Vikings to blow multiple 17-point-plus leads in the first four weeks of a season. How about that note? That's a big league note. Something I would expect from our main man so, so who, he, who was sitting there, and now he's gone. He's gone. He, he stepped he out for a little bit. He, maybe he's getting his car. Oh, there he is. Is he back? He's back. He's getting his gray goose. He, no, he's getting his 11th cup of coffee because he's doing all this fasting now. Where uh, Tracy Jones, welcome to the program. Um, I hope you're doing well. How's the rehab on the nose coming along? I am. You know, it's not real good. I don't know if you guys can see it, but it is crooked. It's got a bump. Hey, Tom, before we get started. No, wait, wait, no, 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 no. Hold on a second about the nose thing. And I, and I, I mean this sincerely because I know people who have broken their noses before. And if it's not fixed the correct way, it can lead to, you know, some breathing problems and all that kind of thing. Are you going to have to get this thing rebroken, quote unquote, or, or fixed? Don't say that. Please don't say that. That hurts. Just you saying I'm going to have to They get put you under sedation when they do that. Are you going to have to get the thing fixed? Not with me. I can take it with no anesthesia. Nothing. No painkiller. Just boom and straighten it. But there's a big bump in my nose. And Danae spotted it. It says it doesn't look good. It looks, looks like there's really an issue there. I don't know what I'm going to do. All right. So know. what were you getting ready to say? You said before we no, go any I, further, I, I, what? Yeah. I, I do have to straighten some things out. Uh, last Thursday's show, I was uh, I was rather embarrassed, and, and I need to apologize, Tom, to your mother-in-law. To attack her like I did is uncalled for, and I think I crossed the line. I'm very, very sorry for that. Uh, my wife didn't talk to me for two or three days. Uh, Aunt Martha, who watches the show in LA, was not talking to me, and. It just, it was, you don't attack a woman, especially an elderly woman. And I, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. And I, and I tell My mother-in-law was flattered. You talked about her at all. I talked to her after the show 
You have nothing to apologize yeah. for no. in any form or fashion. So tell Danae, no. it, it, this is not a big no. deal. My mother-in-law is no, very thick-skinned. She got a kick out of the whole thing. There is no reason to apologize. Thank you, but fun. there's no reason to. Well, I, to say stuff that I said because she doesn't like me, I don't even know your mother-in-law. But to say I don't like her and then to say some things. And I'll tell you what I'm going to do for your mother-in-law. I want her to go to eBay. Does she know what eBay is? Yeah, she's very tech. Yeah, she's very tech savvy. She was a business uh, professor uh, at a university out in Arizona. And so, she, right. yeah, she's very tech savvy. Yes, yeah, she knows eBay. I want her to search Tracy Jones on eBay. <laughs> and I, you're going to there's going to be like 74 different items on eBay, which is an extreme amount, I think. You know, you play for five major league teams, that's a lot of memorabilia. I've got bats and jerseys and all that. I want her to pick out an item, all right, Tom? And, and this is gonna take a while. This isn't just one or two days. Tell her to take her time, take a week, take as long as she wants, pick out an item, and I will sign it for her. Well, she will be very appreciative. She is a huge, huge baseball fan sports fan yeah. i mean she talks sports with me and our son and like she's you know one of the guys so yeah. she will love it and to have your yeah. autograph i mean that might replace polly and i's wedding picture in a place of prominence in her house tom here's the whole deal i'm not going to charge her for that i'll do it for free and no, i also want to just I just want to add a little something to that. I want to take her out to dinner. She may, not be a, she may not like that. Well, we'll go to Walt's Hitchin Post. They've got a great Tracy oh, Jones bone-in ribeye. You know the steak, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Do they really me. at Walt's Hitching Post? Yes. They have a Tracy Jones bone-in yes. ribeye steak? How many steaks do you have named after you, Tom? Uh, none. It was a package deal, something the Brenneman over at... Uh, the precinct for years and years. But when I went south, that, that steak name went south. <laughs> hey, also something kind of unfinished business. I said something on Thursday was a problem show for me. I received a lot of negative email on uh, saying that Johnny Bench was the second greatest catcher ever. Yeah, well, you should have taken heat for yeah. that. Well, I should have until I went and did some research. Okay. And I looked at Pudge Rodriguez's stats. He's a 300 hitter, Yes, he Johnny is. is not. I have yeah. a higher lifetime average than Johnny Bench. Not, I'm not saying I was better than Johnny. I, I wasn't, but I had a higher average. And then also what kind of separates Pudge from Johnny Bench is Pudge played for six major league teams. Johnny only played for one. So I think that puts him over the hump, doesn't it? I don't and know what barometer fact. would be used to put him over the hump on that one. But 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 go ahead. You were saying one other and thing. And one more thing. Yeah. I went back and listened, listened to the interview that you had with Johnny Bench. Yeah. It was, there was a lot there. There is. And I, I, there was a lot there. And I'm disappointed in Johnny. For him to attack Seg Dennison like he did, I think is uncalled for. Seg Dennison would give you the shirt off his back. Now, you don't want Seg to take the shirt off his back. Believe me, you don't want that. But I'm telling you, he's a good person. And I don't like to see someone, you know, punch down on someone without someone coming to his rescue. And, and Sig's never said a bad thing about anyone. 
And no. for Johnny to do that, I think is is come on, Johnny, you're better than that. Seg's a good man. He he got into a look, you know, take a shot at Bob Trumpy, right? See, well, I, I think the point he was making is is that, and I don't want to speak for Johnny Bench, but if I remember the interview, and, and I've spoken with Johnny about this before, yeah. um, is that when everything, and look, one of the most memorable moments of my life, I will never forget this till the day that I die. Johnny and I were announcing the Reds games together. Yep. And the team was in Pittsburgh. And everything went down, was going down with Pete and the gambling situation, mm -hmm. the suspension, et cetera. Johnny and I are in a car. Um, and, and while we were in a car, I have no idea. We could have walked. Um, but we were in a car. We left Three River Stadium. We were going to the hotel. And Johnny had asked Roy Alfers, our distinguished producer and director, to drop mm -hmm. him off at KDKA Television. This okay. was at 11 o'clock at night. I go back to my room, and I said to Johnny before he got out of the car, I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm going on Nightline with Ted Koppel tonight. Now, you remember that show. That was one of the yes. most important television shows there was in America. Big on time. an 11.30 every night, Ted Koppel, big-time show. I go back to my hotel room. I turn on the TV, and there's Johnny with Ted Koppel, and he lays Pete out like nobody's business, just like he did in the program last week. said, the rules are the yes. rules. You're caught gambling. Yeah. They are what they are. Right. Off you go, okay? Right. I think what Johnny was saying is when that happened, and I was in shock sitting there in my hotel room after being in a car with a guy 10 minutes before. I couldn't believe he did it. And I'm not saying he was wrong for doing it, but I can't believe right. he did right. it. And, and – um, and the backlash that he took in this town uh, for giving terrible. his opinion, has he, he felt, I think, has really cost him. And I think when he was going through some of that sort of just airing it all out and laying it out there, I think he was just saying there were a lot of people around here. And he mentioned my dad, too. He said that, you know, all took Pete's side. And, you know, it's one thing if you don't agree with me, but now all of a sudden you start to say this, 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 and this about me. And he, he thought it was unfair. I think that's all he was saying. Yeah. And I respect his opinion, but it's just one of those things. If you play with someone, you don't think I know stuff about went down. I mean, I was playing when Pete was doing all his thing. I mean, I know Paul Jensen and Tommy Giosa and fight fat Mike Bertolini. I know all those guys, but it's one of those things that you see stuff and you just kind of keep your mouth shut. And I, I just kind of took that road. And I, I think Johnny, little too hard on Pete, in okay. my opinion. All right, I want to move on and, to the and current. Wait and way too hard, and way too hard on Sag Dennison. Sag Dennison is like Mother Teresa. Come on. Don't, don't take shots at that poor guy. Okay. You're better than that, John. Don't be punching down. Okay. Go ahead. I want to talk to you. We know the Reds are sitting on 99 losses. Um, they have two games left tonight and tomorrow. Um, and the season is over. It's been brutal right from the start. There's no two ways about it on multiple levels. It's been brutal right yeah. from the start. Um, but Hunter Green, you know, when, when this kid was coming out of high school out in California, everybody wondered, would he be a pitcher? Would he be a hitter? Could have been either way. The Reds uh, take him with a number two overall pick. I still can't believe Minnesota didn't take him when they had the chance, but they didn't. 
and good for the Reds. They get him. Uh, you know, he's coming up through the minor leagues. Tommy John comes all the way back. Uh, this is his rookie year. He had his ups and downs early on. But Tracy, um, the way this kid has closed the season, man, I mean, this guy looks like he's got a chance to be really something special. What are your thoughts on Hunter Green? Well, let me go back to something you said, and the Twins not taking him number one. I know the reason why they didn't take him number one is his dad was a little pushy yep. with the general manager. That's a true story, right? Yep. And who's the general manager? Tim, was it Ryan? Uh, he was filling in. He had come back, yes, to take that job on an in. interim basis, yes. And Hunter's dad, Hunter Green's dad kind of pushed a little bit. Terry Ryan. Terry Ryan. Terry Ryan. Terry Ryan. Yeah. And he didn't like that. The general manager didn't like that. And he told Hunter Green's dad that you don't have to worry about us taking him number one. And he left. That is that a true story? That's it. That's what I heard. The same thing. Yes. Yes. And and it was the Reds getting a guy like Hunter Green. Hunter Green has thrown over three hundred pitches over a hundred miles an hour. There's no one even close to that, Tom. And you can say, oh, you know, he has great speed, but just you know, you have to have other pitches. If you're throwing a hundred miles an hour with a little movement, that's good enough. That's good enough to be a number one starter. And the point is, the Reds have a number one starter in Hunter Green. Now, I know it's a little early, but I think he's really impressive. Last four starts have been excellent. Really like Hunter Green. All right, now, now let me ask you two questions based off what you just said, because I've heard a lot of very smart baseball people make this comment. Uh, with mm. guys today throwing harder and harder and harder, more than they, you know, more than at any time in the history of baseball. You got more guys out there throwing 97, 98, 99, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, I've heard people say that batters are adjusting to this velocity with more and more frequency. That, yes, there was a time when you played, let's face it, when you were playing, I mean, Rob Dibble was a freak and he was throwing 93. And we all thought it was ridiculous. He's throwing sliders at 90. Right. Um, that kind of thing. But I'm asking you, do hitters, do they continue to adjust to velocity? Boy, for a guy who never played the game, you have some really good questions. Thank you. How do you know I didn't and play by the, the way, game? Yeah, you Don't I look like game. an athlete? You know what? This thing, that's not you, Tom. Way I'm well aware. Edgy. I want to shave it off, and I'm going to shave it off Sunday night. I went into savage mode with Zim Day to get the Bengals a win. Yeah. Uh, but after this game on Sunday night, this thing's gone. It's not me. Yeah. You're right. But go ahead about yeah. the velocity thing. Yeah, about the velocity. I don't know if you can really adjust hitters. That's interesting that you should say that. I don't know how you make that adjustment to pitchers that are throwing 102 miles, 100, 102 miles an hour. You know, I brought this point up last week that – Pitchers are throwing four miles an hour faster than they were in 1999, right? Didn't we talk yeah. about that a little bit? Yep. Yep. And I, I don't know if, if you can adjust to a guy throwing 100, 102, because, Tom, you see it. I mean, teams, guys are hitting 230, and guys are striking out. How is that an adjustment? Well, I think that's the point, is that they're, they're not. But I keep hearing all these, these so-called smart baseball people tell me that, or at least tell an audience if you're watching a game on television, uh, that, that, that guys will adapt to the fastball. You obviously got to have some, some movement, right. as you pointed out a second ago. All right, next thing. Um, you face some great pitchers. 
you played with some great pitchers. And I'm talking about Hall of Fame pitchers. I'm not talking about guys who just had a good couple of years here and there. You mentioned the name Jack Morris uh, last week. If, If you could sit down with Hunter Green this winter and, you know, taking for granted, and you never want to take it for granted, that he's healthy now. But what's the next big step for him to being a legitimate number one pitcher in the big leagues? I think doing exactly what he did in the last four starts. I think he lost his concentration a little bit against the Red Sox. But I think he just matures and and mentally, physically, he's there. He's on his way. He's he's got so much talent. I mean, you brought up Rob Dibble, right? Throwing 93, 95. I mean, could you imagine 300 pitches over 100? No. I mean, face Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan, oh, how hard's he throwing? Oh, 97. I mean, he wasn't breaking 100, was he? But guy Hunter Green is, and consistently. Yep. I just think he, I think he's another number one. Reds have their number one pitcher going into the future. And that's a big deal, Tom. You've got to have that number one. Well, i got to tell you, Tracy, I'm not so sure. Now, he goes about it in a different way. That's for sure. Green's right-handed power guy. But Lodolo, uh, you know, i got to tell you, I, I think they could be a co-number one 1A there. I think Lodolo has every bit as bright of a future, even though it's done in a different way. I think Lodolo's future as a starting pitcher is every bit as bright as Hunter Green. Okay, let's look at a playoff situation. Eventually, the Reds are going to get to the playoffs. It might be. I don't know when that is. I I mean, mean, your lifetime. I I don't know. But you've got got Green and Lodolo. I mean, think about that power pitcher. You talk about Green and then Lodolo coming from the left side. I think a goal of an organization, maybe I'm simplifying this too much, is you need three three really good pitchers. You need that number one, and then you need a lefty, and then you need another righty. I'm talking about winning the, going in the playoffs and winning the World Series, and then you turn it over to the bullpen. I know that's simplifying things, but the Reds only need to come up with one pitcher, one more pitcher. Well, I, I think mean, the they, Ashcraft kid has a chance to be a really good pitcher. I, I mean, I, he showed a lot too. So, I mean, with those three guys. But, Tracy, here's the problem, okay? It's very easy if you're a Reds fan you want to get excited about something, and you have something to get excited about with these three guys we were just talking about, especially the first two. But right. Tracy, but Tracy, I mean, you know, I, I was just doing some reading yesterday about this stuff because um, I have YouTube TV. I can't watch the Reds. I, I don't understand how Bally Sports or whatever it is now. I don't understand how they can't get this mess straightened out and have the games on YouTube TV, but they don't. And so I haven't watched them in two years. But I still read about it. Um, and, and, you know, you sit there and you look at the position players they have. Votto's coming back for another year at $25 million. If he's healthy and comes back from the surgery, he's going to be the first baseman. Tyler Stevenson, who has injury after injury after injury, is coming back behind the plate. Jonathan India is coming back to play second base, or so I thought, until I saw some of these defensive metrics on India. I had no idea because I don't watch him. He's rated as one of the worst defensive second basemen in all of baseball. You've got 
Kyle Farmer has been a solid player for this team. There's no solid. doubt about it. He is Very the good. leader of this club. And then you got Senzel in center, who, according to the same article I just read yesterday, Terrible. is ranked among the worst defensive center fielders in all of baseball. So I'm asking you from a position player standpoint, what are you getting excited about? You're exactly right. I, I, I'm trying to sugarcoat it a little bit, trying to be a homer for the Reds. I think their position ball players stink. There's there's not a, a, an untouchable guy except for Stevenson. India's not an untouchable, right? Stevenson. They talk about moving him maybe to first base. I'm looking. I'm listening to the ball game last night. You've got Romain catching right, or he, he's in the lineup. You've got Reynolds, who's a career minor leaguer. I'm listening to the game. I have no idea who in the hell these guys are. I mean, we're trying. I'm trying to be positive on Lodolo and Green, but besides that, this organization's in trouble. It, it really is with position ball players. Now things can change. Yeah. But you make an excellent point. Position ball players, go ahead. Sinzel. Since that was the second player picked in the draft, you can't miss on your second player. You didn't miss on Hunter Green, did you? Since that no. gets hurt more than I do. Yeah, he does. And it's a shame because uh, I think the kid cares. Uh, yeah. and, I, and I really think he cares. I, 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 think, I, I think that uh, he's not some guy going through the motions with all these injuries and kind of laissez-faire about it. I think it deeply troubles him. It deeply bothers him. I don't know Stevenson at all. I don't know Indy at all. He's had a hard time staying on the field. Yes, he but, has. You know, you know, but, I, but I just think, Tracy, that you know what worries me, um, and I've made this analogy many, many times on this program, is that when you go back and you look at the Cubs when they won the World Series, the, 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 the three, four, five years prior to that, they were losing 100 games. They were awful. But they had Javi Lopez. They had oh. Anthony Rizzo. They had yes. Chris Bryant. They had Jorge Soler. I mean, they Addison had some Russell. guys now. That, that's right. They had some guys now that could really play. I mean, yes. really, really bona fide stars. You've got MVPs yep. mixing that whole thing. And then the Cubs, being in the market that they're in, they were, to go, they were able to go out and spend a ton of money on guys like John Lester, made a trade to get Jake Arrieta, you know, they, they went out and spent a lot of money in the bullpen. And, and, and so at, a, at the time when those position players were peaking, here come the pitchers that are peaking. It ultimately climaxes into a World Series, right? The Reds being a smaller market team, my fear is we're all excited about having these young pitchers, but who's around to support them? Yeah, I, I agree with that. Let me, let me go back to the Cubs. The one great thing about the Cubs, the Cubs have had great broadcasters that made oh, it great geez. to watch and listen. Tom, who were some of those broadcasters with the Cubs? You know any of them? I know them all. I mean, I was yeah, there. Were you? Oh, you were I, there, weren't you? I was there. I would not fall into that category of the uh, the Vince Lloyds and the Lou Boudreaux's. Um, and, of course, you know, Harry Carey and Jack Brickhouse. Pat Hughes oh. is a phenomenal announcer. Um, Tom, you know, and now John Shambi's in that booth, and yep. they've had Len Casper. In that. Yeah, they, they've had a lot of great announcers in that town. You know what I liked about you, and I don't want to embarrass you because I compliment you too much, <laughs> but you are, you're like an old-school broadcaster. 
You know, the, the contrast is staggering. When you watch games going back in the 60s and 70s, the broadcast was so much better. You had guys like Dick Enberg. Um, you had Vince Scully, of course. You had your dad, P I used to call it Peak Marty, you know, when he was really good. Um, and you fit right into that mode. It, it really well, is. Thank it, you. Broadcasters can really make the difference. And you Cubs had some very good broadcasters. And you yeah, were well, one of them, Tom. Well, thank you. You know, they had some really bad teams for a long time. And that, that, that's where guys become good broadcasters, in my opinion. And, and Vince Scully used to talk about this all the time, that, you know, the hardest job there is in broadcasting is by far being a local baseball announcer with a bad team. Tough. I used to love to go to Chicago. I'd go play the Cubs. I'd go four for four, drink all their beer, make love to all their women, and then get on a plane and, <laughs> and, and go back home. I tell you, I love going to Chicago. Who doesn't Jamie love going Warrior. to Chicago? It's unbelievable. <laughs> hey, some really guy is. named Jim Lewis. You know Jim Lewis? I do know Jim. Okay, He's a well, good he, buddy of mine. he jumped in on the program and he said that nobody better, nobody better than Tracy Jones. 6412 says this guy's a nut. Where does he come up with all this stuff, says Dan. And Dan also adds Tracy's hilarious. Seg is Mother Teresa? Yeah. Johnny, don't take shots at Seg. Don't, don't do that, because I'm going to defend Seg Dennison. It's not good. Okay. You can take uh, a shot at Trumpy and the city of Cincinnati, but not Seg Dennison. All right, is there anything else on your mind uh, before we let you go here today on this uh, beautiful Tuesday afternoon in greater Cincinnati? No, do you want to ask me any questions, anything? Well, I, I just, you know, you, you mentioned broadcast. Uh, have you been watching? Uh, well, uh, you know what? What are your thoughts and, and, and I'm being serious about this. Okay. And I think it's fabulous that Joey Votto is getting out there quite a bit and putting himself out there to, to, to let people get to know who he is a little bit more, right, and what he's all about and his personality and, and all that kind of thing. I think it's great. He was at the uh, Elder Moeller football game at Nippert the other night. Yeah. Uh, he was at another high school game. I can't remember what it was. Maybe it was a UC game. I can't remember. Um, Moeller St. X, Moeller St. X game. Yeah. Uh, he's singing the fight song with the elder guys and going over to the Moeller side and so on and so forth. He's been up in the booth quite a bit. He went out into the stands and all that kind of thing. Um, ha have you enjoyed seeing that, or, or are you kind of lukewarm on it while his team's still playing you know, baseball? I don't watch the TV crew, and I don't know how well he did on TV. I always find people on TV rather cheesy. Um, but I, I did get a chance to listen to Votto uh, last night. I thought he was excellent. I thought he told some great stories. He talked about how uh, the Dodgers have tablets in their dugout for scouting reports. And they decided every player has a tablet with a scouting report. And they decided, hey, enough's enough. Let's just go by feel and experience and how we got here. And let's get rid of the tablets. I thought that was a great, I thought that was interesting for me. I really liked that. Talked about where's Aaron Judge going. He almost talked that broadcast like a sports talk show. And the Reds being so bad, the play on the field was secondary. And what Joy was saying was very interesting. And the other broadcaster, who's uh, Jeff Brantley, I, Jeff and he, and Votto going back and forth, excellent. The third guy just kind of Tommy Thaw stayed out of the way. And I thought it was a good broadcast. I really did, and I thought Votto brought up some great points. He was interesting. 
He's very articulate. He uses big words that I don't understand, but he is, he's smart. He's smart. And I'd like to really sit down with Joey Votto and get to know him because I, I'm, I'm very impressed. Well, we've asked him to be on this program, and uh, he has politely declined uh, to join us for the big interview that we do on Wednesdays, which, by the way, tomorrow, tomorrow, we have yes. Chris Collinsworth as the big interview. Oh, I love tomorrow. Chris. Love right. his great family. No doubt. Hey, hey, let me ask you real quick. Have you ever worked with anyone that you disliked? Uh, you know, it's, it's funny. Somebody asked me this yesterday, speaking at the, yeah. the Agonis Club, and, 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 and I was fortunate to, to broadcast Major League Baseball for 33 years, blessed to do the NFL for 25 years. I only had one year, and it wasn't that I didn't like the guy. I mean, he, he, he's right. a really, really good guy. He's a guy named David Deal, who was a great offensive lineman uh, for the New York Giants. It was his first year doing it. He was really, mm -hmm. really nervous. Brian Billick had just left as my partner for, for many, many years, and we had done the playoff games, and, and I was going through a stretch. I'm not putting it on David Deal. And he, you know, I was going through a stretch where I went from doing the playoff games, and because Billick left, now all of a sudden I'm dropping down the totem pole. And uh, that was the only year that, that you know, I say to myself, man, it, you know, it wasn't just awesome because every other year, and for whatever reason, I was thinking about all my football partners today uh, and Chris Spielman and Ron Pitts and Anthony Munoz and Brian Billick and Charles Davis and all these guys. And they, they have been fabulous. And David Deal worked his tail off. So I guess in essence, no, there's never been anybody that I didn't like. But that was the only year that was just different than the other years. Does so, that make sense? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. But I don't know why you were dropping. And I, I've told you this before. I like you better doing football games than I do baseball. Well, thank you. And, and, and I, hopefully get yeah. a chance to do them again one day. I hope. I hope. Because I, li I like doing the football. Um, yeah. And, and the, the last part about Votto before we let you go, because I, I really i am being serious about this for a second. Yeah. When he's going to these different things he's going to, um, high school games, college games, whatever it might be, I think it's fantastic. But I'm asking you – do, do, do players that play with him, are they at all ever bothered by that stuff when they're actually playing a game and maybe he's at a high school football game in a different town? Players don't like that stuff. And you know that, don't you? It's making well, I them don't look know. Bad. I don't know if they do or not because I, the players I, have I changed so like much. It. I think there was yeah. a time where there's no way in the world that would have happened. But it's a different age now. And, and maybe I sound like the – and I'm not sounding like the old guy because I think it's kind of cool what he's doing. But I'm just curious what maybe the manager thinks, you know, deep yeah, down Tom, inside. You, you remember the days where they would take three position ball players and put them on the concourse at Riverfront and they yes. would sign autographs? Remember, yes. that was a big hit. And then yes, they kind of took that away. I mean, that's what Joey Votto's kind of doing. I mean, he's circulating with the people, shaking hands, kissing babies. I think it's good for the game, but I bet you there's some people that are a little jealous, you know, oh, okay. a little envious. I think there was that problem with Brandon Phillips and Josh Hamilton, if yes. I remember right. Yes. Right? Yes, there was. Yes, there was. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Yep. Yeah. You're right. Good point. Those are two names from yeah. the past. Yeah. All right, Trace. Well, have a, great, uh, have a great Tuesday. You and I will catch up again on Thursday, if that's cool by you. Yes, that's fine. I will be in Mexico. Really? Doing a 
Yes, yes. Were you doing a big but financial I, I, show or just you and the, your, your bride getting away? Or is this just, like just a landlord's a, convention? What is this? We're just, we're getting away for a couple of days. But I still, I, if I tell you something, I will be broadcasting wherever I go, wherever I travel. I'm on the Tom Brenneman show. You are, you are the man. All right. Tracy, and one more thing. Yeah. And one more thing. SAG is like Gandhi. Shame on you, Johnny Bench. Gandhi. Good Lord. He's not built like Gandhi. You got that right. <laughs> All right. Uh, see I'll see you. Adios. Right. Adios. We're back with uh, um, our cherry on top right after this. All right. Our final segment of Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. And this is a cherry on top presented by the UDF. Boys, would you care to tee it up? Well, did you watch the game last night, right? I did. Did you see the gender reveal or whatever? Well, my son texted. I mean, I was sitting with my son when they did not show the fan. And it was going on, and, and they made reference, Joe Buck did, about a fan running on the field. My son says to me, he says, why don't they show the guy? I said, because that's what the guy wants. He wants pup, and it's never going to happen on television. So this has something to do with that? Yes, it's the video from the press How box. How do we know this is a gender reveal? I'm, jo I'm joking. It's, it, he, I think he was actually protesting something. I couldn't read his T-shirt. But that was one of the jokes on social media, that it was a gender reveal because of the pink smoke coming up when he was. All right, now this is video from someone who was at the game. In the press box. And they did show the video on the Manning broadcast, but look at this guy. He gets turns the corner at the 35, back to the 40, and decked. Is that Bobby Wagner that drilled him? Yeah. yeah. Well, I wouldn't want to get hit by Bobby Wagner if I was fully uh, padded up. No. He had enough. He's a veteran. He said, all right, let's get him off the field, walk away, we're done. You know, when I, 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 I uh... You called a game where a fan was on the field against the Reds, right? I, I'm sure I have. I'm sure it's happened. It was countless. it was a kid. I know they don't want us to publicize it, but this kid ran, jumped over the railing at GABP and then ran yes, all remember. the way up to yeah, center field and I got remember. out of the stadium. Yep, now I remember. He had a, he was on selfie mode the entire time too with his phone. It was an incredible video. <laughs> right. All right, uh, gentlemen, Casey, Brandon, thank you. We we thank them for all their outstanding work. A reminder tomorrow, really looking forward to having Chris Collins work tomorrow. My dad will be on right out of the gate, Marty Brenneman. And then Chris Collinsworth, he is covering the Bengals and Ravens for NBC. Primetime Sunday night, we're going to talk about his career as a player, as a broadcaster, and some of the things going on in the National Football League. That's tomorrow, Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Have a great Tuesday.